0: Don't forget to slather on some sad styles productions before getting out in that sun. On Tuesday, Andrew and Mikey are silent retro video game assassins when they play Ninja Gaiden. Also on Thursday, the Jackass crew gets started with part one of the review of Jackass, the movie. Also on Thursday, Mikey and Brian let you in on all the secrets of sports marketing on the sign-off, a framework podcast. Losing money with Andrew Bascom is making picks on the EuroCup and the adesanya Vittori fight on this 20-minute QE. It's a hot podcast summer. Don't be afraid to. Get into it. He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. What's up, losers? And welcome to Losing Money with Andrew Bascom. My name is Andrew Bascom, and this is your 20-minute sports gambling podcast where we discuss UFC 263. Yes, there is a big middleweight fight, the championship fight, actually two championship fights at UFC 263, and we are ready to discuss it. Finally having a big UFC card back on, we can actually talk about real fighting. Why do I bring up real fighting? Well, Because Mayweather and Paul fought last weekend in an exhibition, one where there were no winners or losers, no judges. It was like eight-year-old soccer or t-ball. Everyone was there just to have a good time, except they made hundreds of millions of dollars. And I, I, you know what, I know we had a policy on here, we're not talking about those fights. And in the way that I was bringing that up, it's because we're not talking about those fights, we're not breaking down those fights. I'm not telling you which way we're betting on it, I'm not encouraging you to bet on it, there should be no betting on it. And yet, and yet, a lot of you betrayed me. I see the listeners, a couple of you jerks absolutely bought that fight. Why? Why? Look yourself in the mirror, why? Don't you love yourself? Who hurt you? Because you know who didn't get hurt? Anyone in that fight! soft pawing each other nonsense floyd mayweather one of the greatest boxers literally of all time literally one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters of all time through 14 jabs 14. he almost threw one around if you don't know you're being had by that whatever and just the only reason i bring this up the only reason i'm taking a really hard stance on it that uh, you know one day my uh, my children will have to burn these records off the internet uh because you know Dad was really angry at a YouTube guy fighting a boxer in his you know past his prime. I come out because this is only encouraging it to get worse. This is not the best we're going to see. This might be one of the worst we're going to see, but it's only going to get worse from here. We're going to see more celebrities stepping in. Less and less celebrities stepping in. I'm just discouraged by the whole thing. You know, it just it's like, you know, Jones and Tyson, that was a draw. Cool. Awesome. We're going to have Tyron Woodley versus the other Paul brother. I refuse to learn which one's which. I refuse to learn which one's which. That is a point of pride that I can feel good about while I don't have the hundreds of millions of dollars that they do. So with that being said, there's real fighting happening this weekend. We've got a championship fight between Marvin Vittori and Israel Alessandia uh, as he defends his middleweight championship. And then we have Figueroa and Moreno running it back after their fight of the year finalist fight last year. But before we get into that, of course, we need to recap, recap. the picks we made last week. So if you listen last week, we were talking about the playoffs and we are talking about the new series, series pricing, things like that. There's not a ton to recap specifically and go, this game we won, this game we lost. And if you want to go do that, of course, over at Twitter, over on Instagram, at LosingMoneyWAB. That is where you can find our daily picks that we make. Every day. That's what daily means. Yeah, not John Daily, Every day. Meaning, like, each day. We make picks. Where we can, you know, get in between the episodes and stuff like that. Actually make picks for the games and we're... It's been interesting. It's, it's been swing or miss. It had been like, oh, we went 1-5 yesterday. Oh, we went 6-0 and the next day. Uh, 2-4. and It's... We're really trying to hit that happy medium there. But we did talk about... What we talked about at that time was the Avalanche. We're up 2 nothing on the Golden Knights and we're like, why in the world is everybody always taking huge favorites? Minus 200, minus 210 favorites in hockey. The most random sport of all. And really, this week has been the best <laughs> proof of that. The Golden Knights have now come back. Um, They've been huge underdogs almost every time. The Montreal Canadiens have advanced after a sweep of the Jets. What the hell? Who saw that coming? Montreal has won seven games in a row, and in six of them, they were the underdog. This is, like, a a perfect example. Why aren't we betting on randomness? Right now, we have three teams that are guaranteed to be in the Final Four right now. And they, currently in the regular season, were 18th, 12th, and 8th. And by the way, that 8th is, like, with the is the Tampa Bay Lightning, and with a heavy amount of cheating. Kucherov, all these people were kept out because of the salary cap reasons, and then the salary cap doesn't exist in the playoffs, and all of a sudden they came back. Mm, that's very, what a coincidence. That's that's also my policy on the uh, the uh, Major League Baseball pitchers. Cheating's part of the game. You got to do it. Like, I don't know. I'm not mad at the Lightning for doing it. They, they, they just found a way around the system. Make it illegal next time. Okay, so there you go. It's cat and mouse, baby. But that's what we're trying to say. The Islanders moved on against the Bruins, and in almost in every one of those, people were on the wrong side. I saw picks all the time going for the Boston Bruins, and why shouldn't they? They were the better team, right? Hypothetically, in the regular season, but not in the playoffs. Playoffs are a different game completely. They're officiated differently. They're played differently. Why would it not be the same game as the regular season? I have my thoughts on that and why I think that's probably bad for the NHL, but since it is clearly a reality, why not be betting on that? Why are we just taking underdogs from here on out? You see a plus 165, plus 170 out there? Oh my God, let's jump all over it. Because you could be wrong two, three times, but if you're right once, you can make your money back real fast. So we'll be making series picks, and you know, in, during the week here a little bit as as the final four gets set up. But we do know that we have Islanders Lightning, which is a great match, and then we're gonna have the Canadians versus whoever wins in the Knights Avalanche. Which, oh my goodness, whoever wins that, just give them the cup right now. That's clearly the best two hockey teams. It's fun. It's good for hockey. And then we have two teams kind of waiting that play like a really good mid zone trap, you know, clutching and holding game, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. God, I hope it's a Lightning versus Avalanche. or... Uh, the Knights that's just good for hockey that's the best two hockey teams so therefore of course we're going to see the Canadians Islanders in a final and I will quickly die and then when it comes to the NBA you know obviously we, last time we talked uh, Clippers and Dallas were going into a game seven the Clippers have moved on I don't know what to do with this Utah series other than I like unders I like unders all the time I like unders in playoffs all the time because we have so many more casual people that show up for these uh for the games and no one wants to bet unders unders are boring I want to bet in overs I want to see points well guess what the public sucks at betting And unders happen all the time. So I like the unders in the Utah Clippers series. And I don't know what the hell's going on in Milwaukee and Brooklyn. But uh, that might go against my NHL strategy completely. Where we see a favorite and you go, okay, wait a second. We saw Brooklyn absolutely destroy them in game one. And every time I say that, I'm like, oh, right. But then they got even more destroyed in game two. But going into game two, Milwaukee was a three-point favorite. Because people kept thinking, well, they got to bounce back. Clearly, they're good. What are we we doing? Wasting our time. They got beaten by like 45 points or something in game two. Even though they were favorites. So that's embarrassing. But now going into game three, guess who's a favorite again? Milwaukee because the books are expecting you to think oh, it's gonna bounce back They can't get beaten by 45 every game. Can they I don't know why shouldn't they I know I know I know the team's good I know like uh, the coach is an absolute nightmare, but why can't Brooklyn just keep winning? I think it's the opposite of the NHL where it's just like "Hmm, maybe we just feed the favorites from here on out because in the NBA favorites do win championships the best team often does win. It's so a little diametric uh, you know, advice I'm giving you here on the playoffs. That's the way we're doing it. And obviously, if you want to go see your picks every day at losing money WAB. Only expect that about a few dozen more times. And the recap of last week's fight night, we split the, we split it pretty much. It was, it was almost identical. We had Marcin Tybura to win. We had him via KO, so we won that and the sprinkle. But we lost with Rosenstreich beating Sakai. We had Sakai, and so like you know, split the difference. Walk out you know with almost the exact same amount of money. That's fine. We got more money to spend on UFC 263, which is what we're gonna get to right after the break. John- Yes, Thrive Fantasy, your place to be betting on daily props, because you need to hashtag prop up today, is where we currently make our daily fantasy sports and eSports bets every day. I hate that we can't talk about golf more often. We, we talk about it obviously, with the majors. We do our episodes a little bit early, so that everyone can be betting on the majors for it. But when it comes to every week, I put money on on, on golf every week, every week. And this week, of course, we have the Palmetto Championship. Uh, really, really small field, because next week is the US Open, which... Mm, Hello. Next week. Wink, wink. So we're going to be betting on some, like, long, odd people right now. They're really, there's only two favorites in the in the competition right now. Dustin Johnson and Brooks Koepka. It's a really long, long, long course. So that's why people are liking the long guys. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka, obviously. Brooks Koepka has now stopped blooding his fists over the body of Bryson Chichambeau, and so has now decided to take up golfing for a living, which is really exciting. The three that we went with before the tournament, and maybe you can get still good odds on, we'll see. I took Lucas List at plus 7,000. Plus 7,000 makes me dizzy thinking about that. And then Doc Redman, also around the same. And then with the slighter favorite and maybe the more of the unit count that we put into it we took Harold Varner at plus 3,500 uh so there you go three long odds right there and we can do that over at Thrive Fantasy also when my picks don't do well after Friday night you know after the time that you've heard this podcast I can go back to Thrive Fantasy and go okay since my picks didn't work out what do you think I should do and then I can bet on the golfers that are still in the tournament how convenient and to do that obviously I would put in money because they have an instant match deposit right now up to $50 they give you $50 to bet on whoa wait what a sportsbook gives me money I don't like this at all this this feels very confusing I thrive fantasy must have made a mistake so before they realize they made that mistake go use it instant match deposit up to $50 right now thrivefantasy.com hashtag prop up today Okay, so UFC 263 is here, finally. Some two championship fights on a pay per view. They were doing it. It felt like they were doing it twice a week for a second there, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, no, two weeks uh, without a pay per view." You're like, I- "I'm sorry, what?" Start scratching your neck a little bit. I just need a. Li- I just need a little bit. And They're like, "What about a fight night?" I'm like, "Ugh, oh, that'll do. Fine, fine." We usually make our three favorite picks for the card. This time we're gonna go with four. Because there's kind of an interesting one I want to talk about. But let's start with Damian Maya versus Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad's running off at a minus 225 right now to Maya's plus 175 to win. Maya made his debut in UFC 77. I'm just going to let that sink in because it's UFC 263. 77. 263. I'm not good at math, but that's a large difference between those two things. Damian Maya came in. When he came in, he was, he was one of the more celebrated submission artists of all time. He came in with, like, an outstanding record. At very singular skilled competitions. But when he came in, he was kind of getting bulldozed because, you know, UFC at the time, with 77 especially, was really morphing into the idea that you can't just do one thing anymore. Yes, you can have an expertise, but you have to be able to kind of do everything. And that's when his game began to morph as well because he started using his striking. People were so scared to go to the ground with him that they were leaving a lot of opportunities up top to be, you know, to swing. David Meyer is not a good striker. Let's just be real about that. He uses big, looping, overhand rights. But at the same time, when you're so scared to get your arm wrapped up or something like that, those land sometimes, and he's actually gotten a couple of TKOs because of it. And then on the other side, we have Bilal Muhammad, who the gambler calls Mr. Decision. Which, you know what? There's lots of reasons for that. 13 of his 18 wins have been by decision. Yeah, that's a lot of decisions. That's a lot of time in a ring. He puts a lot of pressure on his opponents. He's a big guy, and he's constantly moving forward. Big body, lots of power, and he can kind of smother him in that, even though he does maybe doesn't have the finishing gene, which is something he needs to take up with God, but whatever. I can't finish that one for him. How can we not? This feels like an up and down kind of fight where Bilal Muhammad is on his way up. They want him to keep doing things. They He took a main event on short notice recently, and it kind of ended in whatever, the, the, the eye scratch, so it's not really his fault. But Bilal Muhammad, good fighter. Damian Maya, thanks for the memories. So we're going to take Bilal Muhammad at minus 225 and via decision at plus 105. So just over even money there, winning a little bit back, but that's what the books think of it. All that's talk about decision is not just the gambler and I saying these kind of things. The books are also going like, yeah, yeah, he, he does win by decision a lot. Okay, the extra bonus fight I want to talk about is not clearly one of the best four cards of the uh, of the night, but at the same time, I, I, I have to talk about this. If if this is anything, this is our version of Mayweather Paul. Because why in the hell is Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz the third main event? Here, not only is it the third main event of the evening, Leon Edwards is running off at a minus 500, okay? That's important to remember. He is a huge favorite. This is going to be the first ever non-main event, non-title fight that is going to go five rounds. Why? Why in the world did they go like, oh yeah, we, we can't stop these guys at three. Everyone wants to see these two fight. When's the last time Nate Diaz fought? He last fought in 2019. Okay, two years ago, not too much. But really for that last couple of years, he was doing like the show fight circuit. He's going to fight Jorge Masvidal. He's going to fight Conor McGregor. Nate Diaz is an outsized name versus, versus his actual skill in the ring currently. Nate Diaz was an incredibly talented fighter. I don't want to put any shame on their name here. I'm really really trying not to. But at this point, Nate Diaz stepping in after two years to be a third main event of of an actual pay-per-view Doesn't really make a ton of sense. Other than if Leon Edwards knocks him out, people go, whoa, he knocked out Nate Diaz. Like, that means something anymore. But nonetheless, the public goes, oh, okay, well, Leon Edwards can now headline a pay-per-view eventually when he goes for a title. Okay, I understand why this is happening. I just, it's one of those things where it's like, isn't this supposed to be a legitimate sport? Isn't this supposed to be an actual competition? This feels like we go against it a little bit. Like, it's just like, Diaz is a big draw but it's kind of like getting The Undertaker like wheeled out after every WrestleMania and eventually that intimidation of going, uh-oh, is that Nate Diaz's music? is not is intimidating anymore because they're like, oh, oh, he got his ass kicked. Oh, shit. Or more le- more realistically is Nate Diaz just eats punches, can't get knocked out, and is just like, just pummeling. It's like a mummy walking forward constantly. You're like, oh no. Oh God, someone call it. You rarely see odds this long. That's all I'm trying to say is Leon Edwards minus 500, Nate Diaz plus 365, Should we, should we do it? Should we take the long odds? Should we make some money? No, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, and I'm not going to waste any more time on this. Leon Edwards minus 500 via KO plus 145. Let's take a little sprinkle on that. Now we get to the two championship fights of the night. Davidson Figueiredo at a minus 230 is coming in as the champion versus Brandon Moreno at plus 185. Like we said earlier, this was a finalist for fight of the year, uh, resulted in a majority draw, which you very rarely see, and broke both of their win streaks. Figueiredo was at five and Moreno was at three. Figueiredo is like crazy talented. He uses constant movement. He cuts off the cage. And, and while, while he's doing that, he's peppering you with really heavy hands, really, really heavy hands. Gets taken down, that's okay. Figueiredo submission skills, as well as eight submission wins. Nine KO wins, eight submission wins. Very rarely do you see someone actually that split that even. Moreno, though, took him to a draw, and they did that by just going back and forth, up and down, up and down, taking punches, (laughs) following up. It was just an incredible fight. But Moreno is typically a grappler who has turned the corner on his career. He started rough, but he is now, you know, winning constantly. Like we're saying, came off a three-fight winning streak uh, before the majority draw. So how did he get so far in his last fight? How did Figueredo not knock him down constantly? People believe his his uh, exceptional cardio, his exceptional conditioning really helped him out with that. I, with that being said, I think it was kind of a flash in the pan. Figueiredo's clearly the better fighter, and I, I can't really pick against him. So we're going to take him at minus 230 and via KO at plus 170. I wish the number was a little higher on the KO, but I, I still think that's probably how it's going to go in a five-round fight. And that gets us to Israel Adesanya, minus 265 as the champion of the middleweight versus Marvin Vittori at plus 210. So they fought previously, and Israel won. He won decisively. It wasn't like an ass kick or anything, but he won very decisively. And if you don't remember, Israel obviously is coming off a light heavyweight loss to Jan Blakovic. Uh, he's still 20-0 at middleweight. So I think that's an important note to remember. When we start not talking about undefeated, he's 20-1. Well, the, the 20 of those wins and none of those losses are at middleweight where he's currently champion. And what, what, what more do we need to say about Asanya? You know who this guy is. He's the last style stylebender. Uh, nickname? Uh, mm, mm, no, no, I don't like it, no. And I know, I know I'm the judge of nicknames. I know that everyone loves to, the, Andrew, what do you think about this nickname for this fighter? I'm like, eh, last style bender Feels real tryhard. Feels like you're doing too much. I like the last airbender. Can we do something with that? Yeah, but can you bring up that? I also have good style. Hmm. And then 30 seconds later, they came up with something like that. You know him. He's crazy long. He's crazy accurate. And two of those things don't usually tie up together. When you're long, you can usually create that distance just to keep it almost like a shield to keep people out. But instead, his, like it's like his arms are like snakes. Like they kind of work their way around a guard and just crack a guy in the jaw. I don't know how he does that. But his real power comes from his legs, obviously. He's crazy long for his division. 80-inch reach? Good God. He obviously used to be a kickboxer. His legs set the fight. They can kill people's conditioning, both the body shots and the leg shots. And usually within one round, that person doesn't want to keep fighting anymore. Like we said, Vittori lost to Izzy previously, but went perfect since then. He likes to strike, but it's not his forte. He likes taking people down. He has 2.22 takedowns per 15 minutes. He took down Izzy twice in their last fight. And Adesanya's lone loss to blohovich he got taken down a bunch now wait a second Uh uh-oh I'm pointing at a wall that's got a bunch of pictures and string attached to each one of them Adesanya needs to strike and make a huge difference in his striking to do it Vitori can eat punches and we know Adesanya when he gets his back down against a big fighter doesn't do that well hmm should we do it Should we do it? I have only taken favorites so far in this card. Let's do it. Let's take Marvin Victoria at plus 210 via decision at plus 420. Nice. Why not? Let's get a little crazy today. Let's let's make some money today. But realistically, let's lose some money today. So there we go. Those are our picks that we're going to be taking for UFC 263. We're going to be obviously making them and recapping those picks. Yeah, thank you. Over at losing money WAB. So that you know exactly where we're going to be going with each fight. But yeah, oh, but here's the music. So we got to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much for losing money with Andrew Bascom. Can you please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you enjoy podcasts? If you feel like gambling is becoming a problem, please go to problemgambling.ca. The incredible theme and music that plays throughout the show was done by Nikki Mitchell. You can find her music on Spotify or on her Instagram account. Both have links in the description right now. All art for the show was created by Alex Monid, and we are a proud product of Sad Styles Productions. Executive producers, Mike Yerenworth, and me, Andrew Bascom. Thank you so much for listening. Have fun losing money this weekend. We'll see you later, losers. He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it.